here comes a new challenger. From 8-bit to 35mm, game pads to the silver screen, your favorite video game characters are on a quest to become movie icons. Can they unlock the achievement? Let's go for broke! It's time to press X to reload. Yes? Ah, Lady Croft, how are you? Alive. And kicking, I hope. Hmm, and you? Superlative. Of course, I digress. You have my half of the triangle. And you have my father's clock. Listen, my dear, without each other, we are quite useless at this point. We should reevaluate our positions. Like it or not, you and I are in business together. We should have a business meeting. You mean you'd love to have another opportunity to try and kill me? Oh, that's harsh. But perhaps. Wait and see. Come to Venice. Via Dolorosa. Wonderful. Bye then. Hey everybody and welcome back to a surprise press X to reload you thought we'd be talking about I think it was going to be Willy's Wonderland but it's our 50th episode Woo! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I am Nick War with me are Wayne Brissett and Mark Athanas you may have heard the overwhelming enthusiasm from my compatriots <laughs> welcome back Wayne hi welcome back Mark Yes, good to be back for the 50th. I'm excited about that. Uh, not so excited about the movie, but uh, let's get into it. So, it's kind of a victory lap for us, but kind of not. Wayne had the brilliant suggestion of our first movie was the more recent Tomb Raider film. And why not make our 50th go back to the original Tomb Raider and, and go check out what majesty that has for us. After all, that's a big <laughs> budget action film with Angelina Jolie, no less. Yeah, I uh, apologize now for that idea. It's not your first bad idea. <laughs> I'm assuming we all watched it again for this, and we're not just going off of how we remember it. I watched it again. I swore yeah, I never would. I watched it again. I watched it again. It 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 is how I remembered it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's start with you, Wayne. I mean, you did suggest this movie, so let's start with you. How does it compare to the other things we've seen on the scale of good and bad? How far is it tipped in either mm. direction? I'm glad you started with that because that's probably what I was going to say first is, I mean, it's not the worst film we watched. That's, that's nope. for sure. No. And it's, it's nowhere near no. the worst film we watched. No. Uh, I, I'd say it's below average though. That's okay. for sure. Um, there's definitely a lot of video game elements. I think she's a fantastic cast for the Lara Croft based on the original Tomb Raider games that this was mm -hmm. uh, from. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's missing a lot of things and falls short with a lot of the stigma that video game translated movies suffer from back in that time. And it, this, is, this is one of those movies that just don't live up to what it could have been. We should be watching an Indiana Jones, a National Treasure type film. And eh, it, it, it's such a weak attempt at either of them. Fair enough. Mark, how was it going back to the well of Tomb Raider 2001? I, well, first of all, there's clearly a lot of things I forgot because I forgot that both Ian Glenn and uh, <laughs> who's Jorah in the Game of Thrones series and Daniel Craig are in this movie. Yeah, so I that was too. a surprise, a pleasant surprise, even though they were wasted. Um, <laughs> honestly, similar to what Wayne said, I truly feel it was as I remembered it and to be blunt, I remembered it being horribly, horribly cheesy, nearly to the point of being like deeply disappointing because it was another bad video game movie. Watching it again, though, I will to say find the positive watching it again in the context of what we're doing here, finding the positives in these movies. I do have some positive things I can say they at least attempted Agreed. from the casting to literally trying to recreate certainly the visuals from the polygonal bra they had Angelina Jolie wearing to some of her moves right out of the video game. I was like, okay, you know, 
they tried stuff clearly more concerned with the visual than anything, you know, actually meaningful, but whatever. <laughs> and uh, yeah, nineties, baby nineties. Well, late nineties production, early two thousands release two thousand and one. And this has oh the, this has the imprint of matrix era action all over it. The soundtrack sounds like it was stolen from the Matrix. Mm, yeah. The techno beats that constantly infuse this film. Which does not f- suit it. <laughs> it doesn't, unfortunately. And it's such a, that's such a... Can I... Like, uh, one of the things I'll honestly say I enjoyed about the movie was the nostalgia, not for this movie, but that this movie made me think of movies from that era. Okay. From the cheesy... <laughs> the cheesy, like, techno things because again like the triple x's and all those movies oh, yeah. just the same thing it's just crappy crappy movies quickly <laughs> pumped out weird meaningless action and the the fact that i forgot that there was a period in time where angela jolie's entire acting seemed to just be she was the bad girl so she was just like the it bad girl so she was in everything making that sex face <laughs> where she looks like she's on the cusp of enjoying something sexual and this director remembered that and there are so many close-ups of her making the sex face it is just again almost nostalgic <laughs> she is radiating a charisma that is usually reserved for like your leading man where it's the confident empowered is that what it is no it is i mean we look at it as sexy because it happens to be a woman but really her performance isn't that different than the kind of stuff that you see like the rock pulling off it really isn't i she never does anything overtly sexual that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking (laughs) about that face is just her face (laughs) that is not her face i've seen her in other movies she stops making that face as she became a better actress that face is her equivalent of raising the one eyebrow that's what that face is Sure. Maybe it's raising something else. Either way. <laughs> yeah. But the boners of teenage boys. Don't just say teenage boys. I'm sure there's more than that. Let's all be honest. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember really strongly disliking this film when it first came out because of two major reasons. One, the action scenes were terrible. And two, mm-hmm. the plot made no sense. Terrible. Uh, agreed. Also true. Now watching it again. The plot makes slightly more sense than I remember, though there's a few things that I still just don't like. The action scenes are still terrible. They're the weakest part of the film. But this film is carried by its performances, its actors. Not to say that it's well written, but Angelina Jolie. I agree with this. Daniel Craig. I apologize because I can never remember his name, but the actor who played Jorah Jorah in Game of Thrones. (laughs) They're entertaining enough that you can kind of forgive a lot of it. And I was curious when it came up at the, the end of it's like, you know, directed by Simon West. I was like, what else has this man made? Cause I recognize that name. Con air. Right. Now that's another <laughs> film that as far as I'm concerned, the action scenes are largely terrible, but oh, it is I had carried, such high hopes for that film. And it was carried terrible. by performances. <laughs> go back yeah. and watch it through the lens of, yeah, go back and watch Con Air through the lens of, are these good action scenes? Put down the bunny. Anytime okay. there is an actual like fist fight or a gunfight, they're not great. They're mediocre at best. And this is the same. Okay. They are mediocre action scenes, yeah. but they are held together by A-list actors just swaggering their way through B-level material. I and agree. That's what this movie I would agree is. with that statement. Hundred percent. If this movie didn't have these actors, hmm. I couldn't even sit through it. It's the fact that you have the star power of Jolie, of early Daniel Craig. Like you have people who have enough charisma that you can sit through it. There's better films out there, but I didn't and, and hate I, it. I feel you. Hmm. You you feel that better hmm. in the first half of the film than you do the back half of the film, though. Yeah, I think there's actually some good world building, some good acting. Like you're staying at the beginning of the film. And then it's almost like season eight of Game of Thrones. They realize they're running out of time to to write the end of this film. So they just rush this back half of the film. And it's like, well, where's this cool pacing that was happening at the beginning of this that all of a sudden just was rushed at the end? 
So what I'm hearing is it's the fault of the guy who plays Jorok. Maybe he just curses everything he joins. Yeah, which I liked him in this, no. especially in the first half of the movie. I thought he's playing a really cool villain. By the end, so, I was like, like eh, whatever. I hear what you're saying. I'm Ian having Glenn. a hard time That's agreeing nice. with it. It's Ian Glenn. I'm yes. having a hard time agreeing with it, yeah. even though you're Jorok. right. Because you're right. You're 100% right. And I'm having a hard time agreeing with it. Because the entire time I watched it, as much as I was enjoying their over-the-top cheesy performances, it's hard not to judge it knowing what I know, which is that they're better actors than this. Like, they are their, their quality of acting is so much better than the material they're in. Sure. That mm-hmm. I'm watching it being like, man, they're wasting them. But also, man... I guess that's the best you could do. George Lucas wrote this script and you're just making the best of it that you can. Like, it's just one of those moments where the dialogue is so awful, so over the top. I refer you to, again, the Simon West of con air directing ability of the mechanic, (laughs) one of the weaker Jason Statham films, but kind of similar to these in terms of how it plays out. Like, it seems to be what this guy does. He gets A-list talent to show up and like slog their way through his B-level material. And then the second unit director that does the action is probably someone who's never done an action scene in their life. Clearly. Mm-hmm. This is clearly something where the second unit director is like, all right, we have an afternoon. Let's choreograph it and shoot it all today. And you know why that's such a shame? The set pieces for the action are gorgeous. scenes should be good. Yeah, should be good. They're gorgeous. Even some of them are interestingly conceived. Like when she's doing that, like I don't know why she's doing it, but the the rope work in the middle of her foyer of her mansion, <laughs> like that should be cool. It's really not, but it should no. be cool. <laughs> All right, well let's let's rewind back to the beginning, and we'll go through some of the highlights, lowlights, however you want to call them. This film starts with a fake <laughs> out that makes. Even less sense the second time around. And I don't know why they do it. <laughs> it's so weird. You start with Angelina Jolie <sighs> as Lara Croft. She's hanging upside down, eyes closed for an uncomfortable length of time. I don't know what she's waiting for. And then she opens them suspended over like some sort of temple where there's a jewel there. And as she goes to get the jewel, a robot comes out to start fighting her. She's Which in an ancient good. temple. And a high-tech robot starts fighting her, and early 2000s techno busts in. And you get a mediocre-ish action scene, but it's confusing, because why is there a freaking robot? Exactly. Why is she not surprised that there's a robot? The robot does look good. Yeah. It still looks good. I was like, wow. I'm curious. I was trying to look it up. I don't know... How much of it was practical, if any, if it was all CG? It yeah, looked it too looked, good it looked for me to think still. that it was pure CG from the early 2000s. I feel like there's yeah. practical work done there. Probably a mix. Yeah. Probably a mix. They remind me, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to play the game or at least have seen the trailer, but the new Metroid Dread. Oh, yeah. The, there's oh, these no. robots that are hunting Samus in, in their designated areas. And, man, the, the design is very similar to, to these. Okay, I could see that. Yeah, I, I mean, I've only seen the uh, previews for that game, but yeah, there's a similarity. Yep. But either way, she fights this thing and beats the crap out of it and shoots it down, and then it gets back up to attack her, and you think that she has no chance of dodging it, and she just says, stop, and it stops. And she opens up its chest, and it says, kill Lara Croft, and she takes out a disc and puts in... Lara's party mix, that's what was inside the jewel yeah. she was trying to steal. And this is her workout routine yeah. in her mansion. She has a fake ancient pyramid inside her mansion. Why? Why yeah, do makes that no fake sense. out? I don't there was no reason for that. This is like an Indiana Jones thing. You just start her in and hunting a tomb. <laughs> and show us what she's really or made of. Just have a modern looking gymnasium thing so that it's a weird bait and switch for the audience. I don't get it. <laughs> However, this is one of those things I appreciate it. It's the training level of a video game. Okay, sure. That's all it is. Fine. It's the tutorial section. That's all it is. And these are the stupid things this movie does <laughs> that I can 
viewed via the lens of what we're doing, I was like, oh, I get it. This was stupid back in the day, but looking at it now, I'm like, oh, they thought they were smart. They thought they were giving <laughs> us the opening tutorial section. That's so fine. this is how Lara fights. This is how she reloads her gun. Hit this button to do her backflip shooting. Like I was like, I get it. Stupid. Makes no sense. But I get it. I can appreciate that thought process, but I still think having her raid a tomb at the beginning would have been far more interesting. An actual tomb, and yes. may yeah. have been able to better tie uh, into correct. the story at hand to help round it out and maybe even actually get some tomb raiding in this movie. Yeah. I mean, you are correct, sir. some tomb raiding. Well, they do correct. raid a tomb <laughs> later. We eventually raid some tombs. They actually drop the term tomb raider more often than how many tombs they raid. Oh. They drop that job description yeah. a good six or seven times. Yes. Yeah. But they're just one it's room an tombs. actual job title. <laughs> yeah, they're one room tombs, but it's a job title. <laughs> now, one thing I want to point out, I and again, says, I know we're looking for the What's better than positives. one tomb raider? Two tomb raiders. jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but if it's just one room, it's more like grave robbing. Mm. Yeah. All archaeologists <laughs> are grave robbers. Indiana Jones is a, a thief and a criminal. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Hey, that one thing I want to point out, that fight she has with the robot, at one point she grabs a hold of like this rope and she cuts it. And the idea is supposed to be that that rope, like the ballast of it being gone, lifts her up into the air and she gets lifted up while firing down with her gun. But the wire work for it is so bad <laughs> because they don't lift the rope any higher. So she goes flying up into the air. But her arm is slacked down by her waist as if she's floating away and just happens to be holding onto the rope. <laughs> yeah. I had to rewind it to show Corinne. I'm like, what is going on? There is no tension on the rope she's holding. You Either she's learned to fly or there's definitely wires happening. That's poor. Once I saw that, I knew that the action was never going to be good. So I stopped focusing on the action and I focused on the characters. And I had a much better time. Yeah. That opening fight. I think that was the best action scene. It's the best action scene, that and it's the bad. best action scene. Exactly. But it sets the tone yeah. really early yeah. that don't worry, we did all these in as short a time as possible because really we just went on location. The actors all wanted to be in beautiful locations, and we're just filming beautiful people yes. say bad stuff. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I can and, uh, agree with that. I did actually really like a lot of the locations. Oh, gorgeous locations. Gorgeous. I mean, gorgeous. that's why they don't really have a lot of tombs because tombs aren't gorgeous, and all of the places they go to are beautiful stop it <laughs> but yeah. between things like that or the fact that the robot would knock her two feet away and then when the camera pans she's 30 feet away so she teleports all kinds of wonderful things in that fight that just made me give up on the action can i also <laughs> make the the comment that how, however vicious this robot and the size of this robot i don't know what it was made of because she just picks it up with one hand yeah. And drags it out. <laughs> yeah. Like that thing looks like end. it weighs yeah. more than a car. And literally with yeah. one hand, she just walks it out and then throws it at the guy who makes them and says, you have to fix them. Yeah. Surprisingly, in the moment, I didn't question that at all. Her character, I did. I was like, what's the thing made of paper? <laughs> I don't. No, that was the first thing. I was like, what the hell? She just picked that thing up one handed. <laughs> no, I bought that. <laughs> if it was that light, it was never a threat. <laughs> Aluminium. Well, and. Remember, she jumped on it. She should have crushed it. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought the same thing because when it swings and hits her, I was like, oh, it didn't cave her head in. That's nice of the robot because it's a giant machine <laughs> swinging with some speed. And I'm pretty sure most versions of science would re like mean that her head would be caved in. Like, well, just in all fairness, the robot's solid object terrified seeing as how at one point she starts pistol whipping the robot. Which Crin pointed out, and I thought right. was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> what like benefit is there to yeah. pistol whipping a robot? But it's awesome. Well, and again, one of the reasons why that scene makes no sense is she actively programmed the robot to kill her. That sounds like a bad training way. For training. <laughs> sounds like that could go wrong really easily. 
I'm just worried that we're 20 minutes into the podcast and still talking about the robot. (laughs) (laughs) It's a highlight. All right, all right. We will move on. This is the best part of the movie. (laughs) Well, the next thing we move on to is Angelina Jolie having a shower scene with an angry expression on her face. Yeah. Porn face. Get it right. No, she looked looked different. She looked angry there. No, that face. I, rewatch the movie at your <laughs> I'm own not peril. Watching it again. They zoom in on that face. I believe she you. makes that face when she comes out of the water. She makes that face when she punches a guy. She makes that face when she gets punched by a guy. Look, she if makes that means, face when she has a shower. If it means I don't have to watch it again, I will let you have this win. Okay, I'm not watching I'm it again. You, porn I'll take face. Your word for it. Porn but face. either way, you have it's, your. It's a thing. You have your your shower scene with her, and of course, it's all tasteful. You don't see anything. It's a PG movie. It's all upper camera shots. Suggested. She's hidden behind you know, like fogged up glass. Though there is a side boob that shows up near the end of that when the the butler's telling her that she should get some clothes on because she's oh, got yeah. her two faithful companions, her prissy butler and her techno slave. Like, I don't really understand that guy's deal. Who doesn't want to well, live in this mansion? Yeah. She has mansion. a mansion that puts Wayne Manor to shame. And her yeah. like, techno hacker employee friend slave lives in a trailer outside the mansion. What'd she say? There's like 86 yeah. rooms or something like that? Yeah, 86 rooms. And he lives yes. in a trailer outside of it. it they never explain why. Clear, she lives alone. And she lives alone. Like, she doesn't have a... A family, like she lives alone, and makes this guy live outside. I even I was that, even his after. area that he makes everything that would be a better home for him. <laughs> he chooses to live right? out there because she says there's 86 rooms. You could just stay in here. Yeah. It's really weird. True, it is weird. I it's don't understand what the point of that was. If they explained it in any way, shape, or form, place. you know, maybe yeah. it's like in case the cops come, he wants to be able to make a break for it. They they could have done something, but it's just a weird character choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But fun fact, Corinne and I were trying to figure out where we've seen him recently, because I remember the actor who plays that hacker in a couple of things in the early 2000s. <gasps> but if you watch the TV show Preacher, he was Hitler. <laughs> oh. He moves on to be right. Hitler. Just kind Close, of awesome. I'm watching yeah. Reacher. So you have a movie with Angelina Jolie as Tomb Raider who has Hitler working for her and her ex-lover possible teammate is none other than James Bond, Daniel Craig, before he becomes James Bond. Mm-hmm. Before he layers who any also cakes. gets his own shower scene later in the film, which I appreciated the fact yes. that they gave equal opportunity. No matter equal who you wanted to rule over, you had Daniel Craig or Jolie. That's not yeah, bad. Yeah, it's apparently a tomb. Uh, it's a Tomb Raider uh, specialty. Showering. <laughs> the shower. Well, if you were in those tombs, you'd shower too, right? It's dusty and cobwebs and totally all sorts of crap. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. But small fun trivia thing that I looked up: the gun that Daniel Craig is using when all of the statues have come to life and try to kill them is a Walther PPK. Mm-hmm. He's actually using James oh, Bond's nice. pistol. Which is awesome since he hadn't even been cast as him yet. That's funny. I credit uh, this film for getting him James Bond. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it did that then. One See, good thing. There's positives. Now, moving okay. on from positives, the weakest part of this, in my opinion, plot-wise, is the stupid Illuminati that do nothing throughout the yeah. majority of this because we move <laughs> on to them. Mm-hmm. There's, what, 50 of them at that council table? Just all old yeah. people, fine, whatever, because mm-hmm. they're going after... I guess, immortality or God power. Or they, what was it? The power to manipulate time. So this is the same yeah. plot as Prince manipulate of Persia. Manipulate time. Apparently. Yeah. This is yeah. the same story as Prince of Persia, but Prince of Persia well, did Prince it better. Prince of Persia was way yeah, better. Way better. <laughs> yeah. So really, this is the prototype for a lot tombs. of stuff. It's just a lot of things came afterwards that <laughs> were better. It did have more tombs, and yes. He raided, <laughs> he raided way more tombs. <laughs> oh, boy. But you have the council, and... 98% of them don't matter. All that really matter is mm-hmm. Ian Glenn's character, the right-hand man of the the Illuminati, and I guess the leader of the Illuminati, because he's the only one you ever see ever again. They all show up in that one scene, yeah. and you never see the Illuminati ever again, just the, the right-hand man, who's like directly dealing mm-hmm. with Lara Croft and fighting for the, the pieces of the stones that can control time. And at the very end, when they get to that last set piece, that last tomb... 
He gets off the helicopter and an old dude gets off the helicopter and Kern goes, who's that guy? I'm like, what? That's the leader of the Illuminati. <laughs> that's that's the main bad guy in this entire film. <laughs> He's the, <laughs> yeah. the, the Illuminati leader that this guy's working for. He had shown up so little. Corinne forgot who he was and I couldn't blame her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Like, no. You He's didn't even need important. it to be the Illuminati. It could have just been Ian Glenn's character just wanted the stuff for himself. The whole yeah. you know, Manfred Powell, that was his name. Oh, like, yeah, I totally forgot his name. It could have just been he wanted it for himself and he was all powerful. He didn't need to be the underling of the Illuminati. It was a very bizarre tacked on side plot. Like I <laughs> yeah. I guess it's so that yeah. if they <laughs> I haven't bothered to watch the sequel to this yet. Maybe the Illuminati show up in the Tomb Raider sequel that Julie did. I don't know. But I it just no seemed memory. like I've it from my memory. I know uh, I've seen it, but I do not remember it at all. I've never watched Cradle of Life. The only thing I remember is that somehow Gerard Butler is in that movie. She is scouting talent left and right. <laughs> mm-hmm. We need to get her in more action. Talent films. Raider. Not good, That's what she should but be. She'll talent fun. Raider. Yeah, talent she should be Talent Raider. Raider. <laughs> <laughs> See, something good came out of this. You Just, go. you know, oh, not the God. movie itself. Talent Raider. Yes. But, I mean, we can go over point by point for the plot, but the plot barely matters. It's just individual exchanges that are fun. So I just want to touch on some of yeah. the exchanges that are fun to me. One of the best, later on when you have, I think it's the first major tomb that they're going to raid. It's out in the jungle, and you've got those oh, people yeah. like pulling on ropes to bring down these statues. Yeah. Manfred <laughs> yeah. Powell. And then she just walks by a door that takes them right into that. Well, no, not even that. Yeah, she finds a back door and gets in. It's Manfred Powell, the right-hand yes. man, the villain she's facing, is lounging on an entire living room set that they have yeah. put into the middle of the jungle out in the open while he's like, just eating grapes and yes. just relaxing while his people work. Not a couch. Yeah, like he's not at a chair. Yes, it's like, Forget Turbo Kid where he had one like chair that he dusted couch. off. He has a whole living yeah. room set. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Like he looks like he's it's like a uh, satin couch. He's at a resort. It's amazing. He, look, he looks like a skinny job of the hut. Yeah. He's just sitting on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> like a Shea lounge. Like I just I was dying laughing. I'm so glad you brought that up. I was just like, what is this? This is ridiculous. It's amazing. Oh, it's so ridiculous. Like it just, it's one of those things where it has no logical purpose, but it's a great character moment. (laughs) Now, can we talk for a moment about that rope pulling thing? Sure. I was like, you ever see, it looked like there was about a hundred extras barely doing anything. It's like, I think this would work. I think what they're doing is a little bit of slack, pull on the rope, a little bit of slack, pull on the rope. Except the set piece they're using looks so clearly like not a rock. Like it looks like styrofoam bricks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I know they're not really pulling because they'll actually just yank this thing out of the wall. Because it looks like a real <laughs> rope attached to styrofoam. <laughs> and I was just, I was laughing. That's some so solid hard. acting from the, course, the extras there to not overexert now, but still make it look like they're exerting. That's impressive. Oh, I didn't think they were exerting. So (laughs) my favorite part, though, this is the first moment where Daniel Craig's accent made me scratch my head because I was like, his accent sounded like, this is the best way I can describe it. He's an Englishman (laughs) playing an American who's apparently trying to play an Englishman badly. (laughs) That's the way his accent sounded. All right. So this is something Corinne picked up on as well. She thought it was hilarious that Angelina Jolie is doing a British accent throughout the whole thing when she's American. And Daniel Craig, who is British, is trying to do an American accent. And neither one of them can do it very Badly. well. No. <laughs> so Badly they're both, both doing ways. really bad impersonations of each other's accent. Yes. I legitimately at one point thought Daniel Craig was just doing a British accent. And I was like, no, wait a minute. He's not doing a British accent. That's His American, American accent, accent sounded almost Australian. It was weird. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's that. only baffling to me because not far off from that time, he was in Road to Perdition and he had a pretty decent yes. American accent in Road to Perdition. But I feel like this is the yeah. film that he practiced his accent on. <laughs> 
I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. But either way, Again, bad accents aside, they had good chemistry. The two of them were fun in a room they together. Did. But and it's a, and again that slight moment of wasted talent. He's better than this. Also, I'm enjoying this. It's making me laugh. So I, I hear you. Again, Everyone in this is better than this. It's fine. <laughs> yes. Yes. God. Now we've we've harped on the action scenes a little bit. We've skipped over. Well, you briefly mentioned at the beginning, but we've skipped over one of the big set pieces that make absolutely no sense, but we have to discuss because it has some fun moments when mm. the the villain who's met her decides, well, if she has the the amulet, the all seeing eye that I need to find my stone pieces. I'll just send a tactical squad of like 50 people to raid her mansion and murder everybody while she's yeah. using like basically wire work in the middle of her hallway to, yes. I don't know, practice her crouching tiger hidden dragon. It's really weird. And again, again, to be completely transparent, it's a weirdly sexualized scene because she's in the satin pajamas, but she's only done up the top button. So that when she flips upside down, it drapes away from her boobs. Like okay, it's just one of those again, like That's weirdly sexualized shirts. choices. Like That's how I sleep. You don't see the Rock <laughs> doing random wire work in a thong. <laughs> like it's just one of those weird things. But if he did, it's just weird. It would sell tickets. I would definitely not watch it. But yes, I'd go. <laughs> I'd go. I'd go. Who am I kidding? I'd go. It'd be the amazing. Rock. It'd be hilarious. It's a rock, and I'd be rock hard for the rock. All right, so. <laughs> there we go. There's actually some legitimately fun things that happen during that. Now, granted, there's some bad stuff when they all come bursting in, and they're trying to shoot oh, the her stormtroopers? Yeah. They're using full-on automatic <laughs> rifles and just emptying clips at nothing but air, and she's not moving fast. She's it's bouncing horrible. around on this this bungee oh cord God. thing that looks like the kind of stuff you'd set up in like Canada's Wonderland and bounce around on for fun. And she's running along the sides of walls and they suck. They can't hit anything. If one guy was shooting at her, I can suspend my disbelief. 20. But there are so many guys in there 20. unloading on her. And it's just like <laughs> not one hit her accidentally. Yeah, 20 Impossible. guys unloading on her. That's not sexual <laughs> at all. <laughs> 20 guys unloaded on her. Not one landed. Not one, not one managed not one to landed. hit that money shot. Not one they penetrated. Suck. No. Not one penetrated her. Wow. <laughs> terrible. When you skip past that, when she finally gets unhooked from that thing and starts legitimately trying to escape from them, she jumps into that dumb waiter and drops down to her garage. I think she's using some sort of like... I don't know what kind of pressure gun that was, but is she like loading screwdrivers into it and shooting them at people? What is that gun she starts firing at people? Because that was kind of awesome. I don't know what that was. Yeah, it Air looked gun. like some sort of like a pressure, like um, a pressure tool yeah. for like working on like cars. But she's loading up a screwdriver into it, and when she pulls the trigger, it just launches it out like a really deadly Nerf gun. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, it was creative. Weird. And then Again. when she. Jumps on the the motorcycle. Oh God! Goes off a ramp, <laughs> and that early two thousands. I'm gonna lean off the motorcycle with one arm, firing the machine gun that I just stole from one of the bad guys in this super cool pose that should be everyone's screensaver around that summer. Yeah. And then when she comes back down, kicks someone in the face with one of the tires of the motorcycle. That's mm -hmm. awesome. <laughs> That would hurt too. Tire kick. Yeah. That's legitimately great. Yeah. Yeah. That was a cutscene from a video game before cutscenes from video games existed. <laughs> so, <laughs> if I was to agree in terms of the sexualization, because I mean, it's, it's Tomb Raider. Of course, there is. It's bad, man. Come on. One of the one of the things I'd actually say, in my opinion, drew some heavy inspiration, not just from those games, but from this film, is Bayonetta. The way that she acts. Fair pulls very strongly from this sure. performance. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure uh, that motorcycle attack happened in one of the cutscenes. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. But that same thing where it's sexualized in a way that feels in control like by that character. That person's totally completely in control of that sexuality, but it is still there and still on display. Yeah. Yeah, but in a strong—I don't know if you want to use empowered way. I have no idea, but in a strong and confident way, right? 
but it definitely feels yeah, like she owns whoever it. made yeah she owns it and hits everyone with it <laughs> but whoever made bayonetta definitely watched this film and again <laughs> made something better out of it this film provided the there blueprint for great things it's just you know the foundation wasn't strong talent raider talent See, raider. I, there's yeah. some positive things now i have a legitimate question because i don't know if this is a positive or negative but i've seen it twice now and it still makes no sense hmm. are the creepy psychic children ghosts what are the weird oh, creepy yeah. psychic children that show up and play hide and seek with lara croft give her mm-hmm. information that she couldn't get anywhere else they lead her to the back door of the tomb and then they just vanish. Like, did yeah. her father send them from beyond the grave? That's what Corinne thinks. It's pushing R3 and then, you know, the the, the line that shows you your path where <laughs> to go. detective mode. Yeah. Batman stole it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you like, go. It's really weird because more than once, like, there at the tomb, she's yeah. wandering around, wondering what to do. Because, you know, the, the villains are at the front gate busting it down with the statues. And those creepy kids are there running around playing hide and seek with her. The flower that her father was enamored by is on the ground. And then she falls through a hole and ends up in the tomb right away. And the kids disappear. And then later on in the last tomb out in like the middle of the Arctic, one of those kids is like, hey, you, I have a message from your dead father. <laughs> and then disappears. Yeah. Just Batman's on her. She turns yeah. around and she's gone. Yeah. Like, I don't get it. Are the kids ghosts? This is the point where the script speeds up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they go from Storm's End to the uh, to the wall in one episode. Like, That's how this works, buddy. That was a yeah. story point that I thought might be interesting. If you ditched some of the stupid Illuminati garbage, you could have spent more time mm-hmm. on maybe a weird supernatural connection with her father or these kids. Maybe do something with it. It just turns out to be a really weird plot contrivance to be able to give her information that she couldn't get on her own. And the character's mm-hmm. not stupid. Yeah. She figures out a bunch of stuff on her own. She puts together a bunch of clues. So either let her continue to do that or explain the creepy kids. Agreed. The, the plot said it had to happen. So it did. It's <laughs> That's basically bizarre. At the very mm-hmm. least... At the very end, when she meets her father, he'd be like, hey, good, those kids helped you uh, get to me. Like, he could have at least done that. <laughs> but then the idea of yes. her creepy John Voight father dealing with a bunch of kids in the afterlife might have been weird. <laughs> I did appreciate that they yeah. actually got her real-life father to her play Lara Croft's yeah. father. And, yeah. you know, John Voight yeah. is always a win, yeah. even when he's doing a bad British accent. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Baffling. Oh, they could have gotten any British actor to play it, but no, no, no. My dad's going to do it. He can totally do a British yeah. accent. No, he can't. No, he can't. No, he really can't. He has a John Voight accent. I feel like I've only... He has a John Voight accent. Much, <laughs> <laughs> I pretty much feel like I've only ever watched bad John Voight movies, so it's kind of funny. Mission Impossible. He's really good in that. Take it back. He's great. He's, he's great, great in that. And it's a thankless job because he's playing, like, a iconic TV character who's now, like, become a turncoat and a villain. The original actor that played the role turned it down for that reason. But we're getting off track. We're talking about better movies. Mm. <laughs> if only Mission Impossible yeah. was based off of a game. <laughs> hey, they made a video game of it, didn't they? They come did, on, but on. that's not uh, the direction NES we game, go. Huh? We is had our NES blood sport. Huh? That's not the direction we go. We go from game to movie. <laughs> God help us all. <laughs> That's all right. There's a Sonic sequel. I'll be happy when that comes out. It's fine. There's good it's things coming. Yeah, it looks, it looks really good. good. Yeah. Back on topic. Back on topic. Good oh, things about yes. Tomb Raider. <laughs> yeah. Why? All right. It, so it ended. Okay. Let's talk about Sonic. The first major <laughs> tomb that they're in, where you have her teamed up. Well, not really teamed up. I mean, she shows up at the same time as Manfred Powell and all of his underlings. And Daniel Craig was Alex West, I think is his name in it. So, yes, yes. Pre-James Bond. So they're all in there and there's all that neat stuff with like the gigantic swords that they have to take out of the statue and put onto the ground. She's got to figure out where to put the eye. And I liked that whole sequence because, again, it shows some intelligence from her. There's Mm -hmm. playful banter between the characters. It shows that... Alex West is a pretty good Tomb Raider, but she is legitimately smarter and better than him. Yeah. 
and mm-hmm. it gives at least yeah. some justification to later why you'd have not quite an alliance but a forced partnership between her and the villain to be able to get this last piece mm-hmm. when they both know look we can only get this if we work together but we're both totally going to turn on each other the second it's available yes but he's only willing to even have her along because she's proven to be capable and yeah. i kind mm-hmm. of like the ridiculous set piece of this gigantic log with like the tiny spike at the end it's supposed to like bust the urn and she jumps on it and starts riding it back and forth because it doesn't have the momentum with her sex face i noticed yes so all i needed was an extra 60 a long shaft with her sex face so she can penetrate it and get everybody wet now obviously they knew this when they wrote it come on come on but that's pretty funny. And you know what? It's a decent yeah. looking scene. So if I can amend what I said, the action scenes, the stunt action scenes are usually okay. The fight action scenes, yes. your hand to hand and your gunplay are usually really bad. Yeah. But mm-hmm. these types of action scenes they have, like when she's escaping from an explosion or riding this pillar to be able to smash into something, they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. They're not yeah, amazing, but they're pretty good. They're all right. Right? <laughs> At least I can clearly tell what's going yeah. on. Yes. Right? Yeah. And that's, well, you need to. Because you need to see her sex face. Well, yeah. But compare that to, <laughs> and I know we've harped on it for other films, and it's probably not even the worst offender of it, but you can always tell a lazy fight scene by how many cuts are in a fight scene. And oh, that yeah. last fight, jumping ahead, when she's fighting Manfred Powell, that last fight... Mm-hmm. Halfway through it, I look at Corinne, look back at the screen, I start going, cut, cut, cut. Because I'm saying it as the camera's cutting because I can predict when it's going to cut because another punch is coming and no two punches are on one cut. Yeah. Yeah. It was driving me insane. It is it's a sign lazy. of bad choreography. So the director's like, just edit nonstop back yeah. and forth between the cameras to make it look better than what it is. And lazy. it actually makes it look worse. Yeah. But. If I can, and again, I'm harping on this. I swear I'm trying to find the good. But if I can point out one good thing that came far after this film. Have you both seen Captain Marvel? Of course. Yeah. Well, yes. So Captain Marvel, remember at the end of it when Jude Law's villain character says to Captain Marvel, you know, you could never beat me before. Let's have a one-on-one. No mm. we- you know, no powers, no weapons. You can't take me. And she just shoots him right in the chest and says, I have nothing to prove to you. Yeah. I feel like that's a direct response to crap like this, where this villain says that to <laughs> Lara Croft. Yeah. Let's drop our weapons. And she does. And they go out of hand to hand. And of course he goes to pick up a knife afterwards and cheat because he's the villain. You have nothing to prove to this man. You spent the entire yeah. movie being confident and saying, I don't need to define myself for these people. Why do you want to go mono a mono with this idiot? Just shoot him. She has two guns. It's not even a good fight. And not the yeah. ones under her bra. <laughs> she has two actual pistols, fight. two guns. She can just shoot yeah. them. Those are bazookas. Fine. <laughs> Launch whatever you want at him. I was annoyed that she doesn't just shoot this guy. He had just finished shooting your previous boyfriend, other Tomb Raider dude in the chest. Just shoot him. Oh, that was a knife. He knifed oh, him knife. through the knife. I apologize. Knife him through the that chest. Knife. That's going to get to the biggest plot yeah. point that drives me nuts about this film and I will yeah. never let go. Oh my god, yes, I hate it. Yes. But we're we're mm. skipping way ahead. The actual aftermath of that first tomb with the statues coming to life is kind of fun. Mm. Yeah. Yes. I didn't say good, yeah. I said fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. It's watchable. It's watchable. You have everyone mm. trying to defend themselves against these statues, these basically stone golems that have come to life with like the the weird CG liquid that isn't quite water that came out of the urn. That is some yeah. early two so, thousand CG water. Yeah, that looked oh, bad. Oh boy. <laughs> so to your point about that scene being kind of fun when everyone's in it, I, I was like, yeah, okay, this is kind of fun. It's silly, it's cheesy. But then the big thing gets activated. And apparently the tomb emptied. It's like everyone else who was fighting for their lives was like, yeah, nope, and left. Boss fight. Because when she fights that thing, she's the only one in the room pretty much. Boss fight. It was fight. full of people. Yeah, they left the room. She went into a cutscene for the boss fight, and everyone else who was around her, the NPCs all left. 
It's just like they were digitally it makes sense removed. To me. Once All the NPCs the disappear when a boss fight's happening. That's what and again, for anyone who hasn't seen this, the big, huge statue of this multi-armed deity that was holding onto these multiple swords, it has now stood up after they've managed to to get the the piece of stone teleported out of weird CG water, telekinetically pulled all of its <laughs> massive twenty foot long swords back into its hands, and it's gonna crush Lara Croft. And she tries shooting it with her guns that never seem to need to reload, which I'm okay with. I don't care how many bullets are in these things because I've played the games. <laughs> you don't run out they of bullets in the games either. Every once in a while. She reloads, reloads like once or twice. She fires a good 80 rounds per reload. That's fine. I don't care. The games <laughs> do the same thing. Mm. But when she realizes she can't beat it with her conventional weapons and then like jumps and kicks that still swinging back and forth shaft. <laughs> So yes. that the ropes break yes. and it slams into the, the statue and kills it. On the one hand, it looks really good. Mm. On the other hand, how the <laughs> hell did she hit that with enough force from the side that she doesn't just I need bounce to remind off you, of it? As our good friend Wayne has just has said, she's so physically strong, you've forgotten. She can lift an 80-ton robot with one arm. See? Yep. So, of course, she That's can why that, that scene comes mattered. Around. You needed that robot scene around. to foreshadow how absurdly powerful she is. We haven't even seen her final form you yet. Go. You have not. That's in the cradle of life. And because it's PG, you're not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> but like overall, that's not a bad scene. And then really, it's just a bunch of crap in the middle till you have that last scene with the planetarium. It is a bunch of crap in the middle. It really mm-hmm. is. Like everything it's in between that first it's, tomb it's, and that second tomb is just nonsense garbage. It's, it's, it's to make mm-hmm. it longer. To meet the theatrical release Seems that way. requirement. Mm-hmm. But I did like she gets on the phone after escaping from the, the temple, makes an international call. Who does she call internationally? The villain. <laughs> to talk to me yeah, like, yeah. yeah, so you betrayed me, but uh, we might need to work together. And what has he done in that time since? He's no longer in his outdoor living room. He's got like a full on person <laughs> walking on his back that I guess he kept on retainer. So he like he has... Yeah, he so much influence and power available to him that I don't know why he cares about anything else that the Illuminati want him to do. Yeah. So and that was, if I'm correct, a tent, right? Like he set up a tent in the jungle. Set up a whole tent with a living room spread inside that that was different than the living room (laughs) spread in the jungle. Yes. He had a separate with someone to walk on his back. Yes. Yes. Oh God! I really enjoy him as it's a great. villain. He's fun. Same. He's great. like a James I Bond did. level villain, and really he's just wasted in that last scene. But it's he's a good villain. Yeah, this movie yeah. is less of a an Indiana Jones and more of a a poor version of a James Bond film. It feels more like a spy film, Fair. just not as good of one, unfortunately. But it has all the hallmarks mm. of a Bond film. <laughs> Yeah, even has James Bond in it. Has James Bond in it, right? But whatever. Either way, we get to that last ex- literally explosive set piece with the weird planetarium thing that starts spinning around, and I guess it's designed to just crush you unless you can get on it. I can't figure out who designs these things. When she figures out where to put the eye, she's got to leap know. off of like six different planets that are like person-sized. It's like that... Stupid Netflix mm-hmm. show of like the floor it's is massive. lava where you're like leaping across these massive things while they're spinning with enough speed and force that if you get caught off guard, you're going to get murdered by it. And then mm-hmm. she still had to go hang upside down from one to be able to put this thing, but time it as she's spinning around it. Like who built to the this? right one? Yeah. How would you ever use yeah. it? How do they design it in the first place it is and how did she figure out that that's what she had to do like i don't know at least when indiana jones figures things out he taught us yeah that when yes. he figures it out we're like yes it's just like he said or a variation of what he said yep <laughs> this is just i it's know what i gotta do notes. how do you know what you gotta do yes. <laughs> she's yeah. got excellent yes. eyesight She's superhuman in this, yes. and that's fine. That's, I know. I'm not questioning the fact that she can do it. I'm questioning why it was built that way in the first place. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, just really weird. And you have, what was it, uh, when she goes and gets the, the, the piece out of there, you had that weird moment where she gets teleported inside it, 
after like inserting that, yeah. that stone. And then mm-hmm. her and and Malcolm or Manfred Powell, whatever villain boy, they go running mm-hmm. up a pyramid together. Is that before or after James Bond <laughs> gets stabbed in the chest? After. Okay, uh, so it's after. All right, after. so I because she wants to turn. Yeah, it's after. She gets that piece first. Yeah. Comes out. She yes. doesn't want to put the pieces together or help him or whatever. And then he throws a knife into James Bond's chest and goes, well, I mean, this thing's supposed to be able to turn back time. Tell you what, you make it work for me and we can turn back time to before I betrayed you, <laughs> which yes. is a great villain moment. Yes. Again, it's an Indiana Jones moment. You shoot his dad so that he has to go find the Holy Grail. Yeah. Sure. You know? But like the, the difference is that happened before all those trials. So now it feels like there's firm stakes in a timeline on those trials. This happens after they've mm-hmm. gotten all the pieces and all the trials. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. there's no there's yep. no trial. It's just, okay, guess we're putting it together. She's like, oh, now that I've stabbed him, you'll figure it out. And she, <laughs> she already <laughs> did figure yeah, it does. out. Yeah, <laughs> She'd already yeah. pieced together the, the solution from the poem she read earlier. Fine, whatever. But you have them run up that weird CG pyramid and grab the piece together. Yes. And then they have their f- stupid fight. When she gets the piece before him and she's able to turn back time, rather than rewinding it all the way to before the guy threw the knife, she rewinds time until he's thrown the knife, but it's in midair, and then grabs the knife that's frozen in time, frozen in space, floating in midair, and painfully turns the knife around. <laughs> Eh. blood coming from her hands and then allows time to move again and somehow the knife goes backwards to him now i have a couple of questions don't interrupt me i have a couple mm-hmm. of quick questions one mm-hmm. how the hell does that work shouldn't it just be the butt of the knife hits james bond in the chest two if it does reverse it he threw it from his hand how does it suddenly come back and stab him in the chest shouldn't it just go back <laughs> into his hand none of it yeah. works <laughs> yes I know. I hate it so much. (laughs) They were trying to be clever, and it's really, really, really dumb. Unclever. (laughs) Oh, my God. The only thing that would have worked, I would have been happier if they went full Looney Tunes. If she stopped time with the knife in the air, picked up Daniel Craig, moved him (laughs) out of the way, picked up Manfred Powell, Moved him into the way of the knife and started up time again. I would have been yeah. fine with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that would have been okay. Oh, and he'd God. be like, holy yeah. crap, how did I get here? That would have been <laughs> fine. I, it's such a dumb, dumb moment. Yeah. Yes. I agree. <laughs> okay. I totally agree. And then the place explodes and she has to run while her, her boobs jiggle. Like I, it is a prolonged yes. run escape. Just so you can watch her Slow sports mo. bra run for 30 seconds. That's all it is. Yeah. Slow-mo run. And yeah. like halfway into this film, I stopped being able to even defend what they're doing here. Because when they get to the Arctic place, everyone else is super bundled up. And she's got a jacket <laughs> thrown over her that's open so you can still see her chest. And Corinne's like, she can't even do up her jacket. Uh, like, I know. I know. <laughs> they're not even being apologetic you. about it. They're in the Arctic. You were trying to fight me on that sex face. You were trying to fight me on that sex Fighting face. Fighting you on the face. Well, let's point out. Everything from the neck down was screaming. Sex face. Screaming it. Thoroughly sex face. It's an angry face. Anyway. She's angry about how they're portraying that moment. She would have been cold. <laughs> <laughs> Either oh, way, God. she runs, she leaps, she bounces, that planetarium explodes, and then... She jumps onto the the dog sled, but the sled is gone. So she somehow skis down without skis on her boots. Boots don't work like that. Yeah, uh, you need some kind of skis. Her That's why people do. use skis to ski. You need something under you that is not her boots. boots uh, her boots do. <laughs> but the early two thousands techno kicks in and gives her the power to ski down that tunnel. And you know what? I'm okay with it because it feels like the last level escape of any video game like that. Sure. Yes, it does. It's the last little escape out of Devil May Cry, out of Resident Evil 4. Like, they all do that stupid, oh man, the explosion's gonna get us, better run away. <laughs> so it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of understandable. Sure. Uh, I agree. And, I think it totally works. And then nothing really significant happens except for the robot comes busting in again to fight her for reasons. Not even in her training room? 
No! Like, it's about to be in her yeah. house now and, and destroy her house? Yeah. I think she was just going to, like, eat yes. dinner or something. But instead, yeah. like, the the butler had her pistols on a silver platter, I think? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Training I, time. It's a really weird ending. But the whole movie's weird, so it's fine. Like I said, I didn't hate it this time around. But I still don't no. think it's good. No, I don't hate it. No, it's still bad. It's and I probably watchable. don't hate it. It's watchable. Because, it's watchable. Yeah, and let's be real. We've seen worse. Oh boy. So really, when you go back to a bad movie Absolutely. after you've seen a worse movie, it's not so bad. We're f- it's just not so bad. 50, 50 episodes in, we have absolutely seen worst. Absolutely. I mean, I'd be curious what everyone's absolute worst so far is. I'm not going to ask it right now, but I'm willing to bet. You need to know. I'm willing to no, bet. Save that, for, save, that for like a, yeah. save that for like a top 10, bottom 10, or whatever, top yeah. 5, we, bottom If five. we make we, it we to 100, to we will compare what was the best and what was the worst. Yeah. Oh, and you know God. what's funny? Even if it was a top 10, bottom 10, Tomb Raider, I could probably guarantee wouldn't be in either. No, it's of middle of the road. It won't be. Yeah. It's middle it of the road. Be. It'd if be closer to the it, bottom 10, but it wouldn't yeah. be in it. <laughs> I don't like to necessarily yeah. rate films on a numerical scale because, you know, numbers are just numbers and garbage and whatever. But. If I was going to rate it, it's somewhere in that six, you know, like it's, it's solid. Six. I'll say six point nine. Oh, 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 you wish. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, nice. I mean, if you were watching television and this came up, there's worse ways to spend an afternoon, I guess. Yeah, I'd go find. I them. wouldn't go out of my way to watch it, and I had to. I had to rent this yeah. thing from YouTube. With all the movies I think are worth exactly. Don't spend <laughs> yes. the five bucks, but if it's on a streaming service nope. for free and you're a fan of Jolie, it's not bad. <laughs> right? Yeah. But if you have to pay any money for if it. you really don't. have nothing but better to do. Just to come full circle. Absolutely nothing better to do. But just to come full circle, the very first episode, the new Tomb Raider we watched is leaps and bounds a thousand times the film this is. It's yes. a much better action and film. It's, and that's still just an okay movie. But it's leaps and bounds better than this. So one. it's funny. the The 2018 Tomb Raider, I think, is a much better action film, even a much better adventure mm-hmm. film. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like it has quite the same level of charisma in its actors that this has. I would agree. Overall, not that they're bad performances, but I still think good. It's better overall. I like I like the villain more in that one. I think the villains are on equal footing in those. <laughs> I think the, the villains Different. are equal footing between the two. But I like them more. And part of it's an unfair comparison because the 2018 is this origin story where she's coming into her own and gaining confidence. This version of Lara Croft starts fully formed, already like believes in herself, already is fully capable. So it's different films. Each film, oh, they are different films because each film is based on their their, their games that they're based on, right? Yeah. Just the, the games are different. Mm-hmm. You can't even compare the two Tomb Raider games. Right? Absolutely. So, no. But if I was going to recommend one to someone, it would be I the 2018. I agreed. That's the film where I'd be like, 100%. you know what? It's a good film. You'll enjoy it. Have agreed. fun. This one, Absolutely. if you're like, should I watch mm-hmm. it? I'd be like, eh, there's worse ways to spend a day. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. If that's the highest compliment I can pay, it's not a recommendation. I agreed. I'll probably go but shovel snow. One last thing. One last thing for Talent Raider. I'm fairly confident. I'm almost positive that Mr. and Mrs. Smith came after this. And that was a really good action film with Angelina mm. Jolie. So it's like yeah. she practiced how to do action on this film and made that <laughs> film, which was better. She made that film so much later in her filmography, you can't even give this film credit. I'm sorry. I am going to give this film credit. <laughs> you got to start somewhere. I think okay. this is the first big action film she did. I'm pretty sure. Fair. And if that got a... If that got like that that appetite for an action film in her, and it led to Mr. and Mrs. Smith, thank you, Tomb Raider, for bringing us better stuff than we started with. <laughs> talent Finder. Talent. <laughs> talent Raider. Talent Raider. Talent Raider. Time Raider. It raided my time twice, but we will bring <laughs> oh, this to God. a close. Any of you who have been listening for this long, thank you for sticking with us. We are oh, going God. to keep going. Because, oh man, it seems like the number of video game film adaptations is increasing, not decreasing. We're having trouble keeping Mm -hmm. up, and that's avoiding sequels. So, we are going to stick around until these two gentlemen come to their senses and abandon me. I have been Nick Moore. With me were Wayne Brissett and Mark Athanas. Gentlemen, I'll abandon you when we start the sequels. (laughs) 
because I know ah. where that's going. <laughs> I'm with you till the end of the line. I'm with you till the end of the line. All the way to annihilation, eh? <laughs> Wayne leaves <Yeah>. chat. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Press X to Reload. Today's episode featured the voices of Mark Athenas, Wayne Brissett, and Nick Moore. Our theme music was composed by Jack Fierick and performed and realized by Sam Fierick. If you like what you've heard today, subscribe and never miss an episode. Or tell a friend, leave a review. We'll take all the bonus XP we can get. If you have suggestions or feedback, you can contact Nick Moore via his email, retrogamingfool at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you on the next stage.